Uh, good evening. Uh, this is the Wine of Life podcast. I'm Wes. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about the great requirement as it's being taught today. And uh, I think this is a big issue in the uh, Southern Baptist Convention um, about what is the gospel now. Is it is the great requirement a part of the gospel? Is it not? Is that an adding on to the gospel? Uh, so we're going to talk about that Um on the SEND Network, which is part of um, the North American Mission Board, which is the largest uh, missionary sending uh, network in North America, they send, um, or they do church planting stuff. Um, they church, uh, they plant churches uh, within North America. So it's not um, like the mission board, like sending someone to Africa or something like that. Um there is a, and I'm going to leave this uh, link in the description below, but there is a, um article on here by Dottie Lewis, that, who is the pastor of the Blueprint Church in Atlanta, Georgia, I think. It's in Georgia, I believe. Yeah, it's in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he wrote an article called Restoration Through the Great Requirement in 2018, and he works at SEND. And this is what he has to say about the gospel. Uh, He starts off like this. Have you ever heard the saying, save the soul and the rest will follow? This maxim unfortunately characterizes the historic actions of many uh, American evangelicals. We've reduced the gospel to the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And the Great Commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yet in all our evangelistic zeal, we have tragically missed a key component of the gospel, restoration through the great requirement. We see the great requirement in Micah 6 eight. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God requires us to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. The great requirement does not happen separately from our commission and commandment. When each are done biblically, they are intricately tied together. Simply put, making disciples should be an expression of loving God and our neighbors and should always lead toward holistic restoration. In the same way, holistic restoration should be an expression of loving God and our neighbors and should always lead towards making disciples. Um, And then he goes on to say that uh, he leads as the, he's the lead pastor of Blueprint Church. And then there's four pillars that he says will is a framework to build community restoration. Now the the key part of what he says here is that we um speaking of what you would call evangelicals I suppose or people within um probably more specifically the Southern Baptist Convention um are missing a key component of the gospel and that is restoration through the great requirement and the great requirement comes from Micah 6:8. So the question is, how is the gospel defined in Scripture, and does it actually um, equate to what he's saying is a key component of the gospel? And so I'm going to read um, in the two two places where I think the um, the scriptures mainly uh, define what the gospel is. The first one's going to be in First Corinthians 15, uh, one through four. Paul is talking to these people. Um, it says this here 
Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. So this gospel was enough for salvation, according to Paul. He says, If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So that's, he's saying that this is basically uh, something of primary importance. I received this first in order to tell you. So there is an idea of, of sort of, um, there's a primacy with regards to what's important. And, and even Christ talks about this, that there are lesser commandments um, when, he, when he's talking to the Pharisees. Um, so there are things of secondary importance, of tertiary importance, and so on. So he says, um, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. And this is the gospel. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Uh, so this was what Paul describes and defines as the gospel. This is the other definition of the gospel we get in Revelation 14, 6, and 7. It says, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. So the two definitions that we have of the gospel here as being preached to people, one from Paul, one from an angel, is that Christ is the creator of heaven and earth, and he should be worshipped, and that Christ came in the flesh, he died, he rose again on the third day. Those are the way that the gospel are described, and this is the effect that the gospel has, according to Paul again in Romans 1, 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So that is what the gospel is. Um, now that doesn't mean there aren't other uh, requirements for us in our Christian life that God tells us that we ought to do, things we ought to do. Remember, when God returns, he says, I come with rewards. And um, we know that we'll, our works will be tried by fire, according to 1 Corinthians 3, 14, uh, 9-14. But it says that whoever their works will be burned up, whether they're good or bad, they will still be saved therein because of the faith they have in Christ. So the gospel itself... Uh, cannot have something that's necessarily added on to it. Now, I do agree with him, the idea of the, I mean, the Great Commission is not simply handing out tracts, right? I mean, that's not, we want people to get saved, but the Great Commission goes, it says make disciples. It also says to baptize if we read Matthew 28, and we read the whole of what the Great Commission is. So um, maybe in that regard, people have tried to uh, not fulfill the, the wholeness of the Great Commission itself. But that doesn't mean that the gospel is more than what the Bible says the gospel is. 
And I think this is why, where there's been a lot of uh, tension within the Southern Baptist Convention about when you're talking about things like uh, the critical race theory or the notion of social justice, that um, some people have, have tried to straw man the argument about it when it's being asked. They say, if you, if you cared more about the gospel than you do about CRT, then, then you know, the, the church would be booming or something like that. But the question really is, is that there isn't a distinction now being made between uh, social justice, CRT, and the gospel, which is why there's questions about it. You know, if we're going to use it, if it's you know encouraged to be used as a tool to analyze the Bible, uh, will it inevitably lead to something being adding on to added on to the Bible? And I think in this case. Um, this is an addition to the gospel of Christ. And there's an, a, there's another issue in that there's actually another requirement in the Old Testament that um, he does not mention, which is in Deuteronomy 10. Uh, I overshot it by a few chapters here, but it goes like this. In Deuteronomy 10, 12, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? Which is the exact same thing he asked in Micah 6, 8, it says, But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to love him, and serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. So that is the uh, something that is also a, a great requirement within the Bible. Now, there are two commands that Jesus gives us in first, and that John talks about in 1 John 23, and then we'll we'll turn there and see where Jesus actually discusses these. Uh, that'll be that'll also be in the Gospel of John. But this is what he says in First John twenty three. He says, and this is his commandment, uh, that we should believe on the name of his Son Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. So those are the requirements that we have today. Now, when it says. Uh, believe and love this is what it's talking about here with regards to Christ in John 5:24 I'm almost there it says this verily verily I say unto you he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life so everlasting life comes from believing on the one who God sent, which was Jesus Christ. Now, the, the part about love is this. In John 13, we're going to read from 34. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also uh, love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, that means that you already must be a disciple in order to be able to love people as Christ has loved you. Um, so one of them is a commandment in order to be saved in believing. The other is a commandment, love one another as someone who is living the Christian life. And those are the two commandments that were given in the Bible. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with the um, idea of the holistic restoration. If you have a church that has the resources to do something like that, of course, um, you know, you should get involved with your community. But that is not what the gospel is. The gospel is simply not the notion of um, community restoration. Sometimes um, people get saved in areas where 
the church itself can't be visible because it's illegal to be Christians in that nation. You know, does that mean that they're not really preaching or teaching the whole of the gospel? Um, you know, if you if you read um, where the man who was uh, saved at the beautiful gate, he was healed. Uh, he couldn't walk. Peter said, money and you know, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give to you. And he, and he was healed and he was able to walk and he's able to go into the temple. But he, he was, obviously, he was begging for money because he didn't have money, but they didn't give him any money. Uh, and also, we don't know, you know, what happened to him later on in his life with regards to the community. What happened with the uh, Ethiopian eunuch who got saved? Philip uh, told him the gospel. He believed. He baptized him. Philip disappeared. We don't know what happened with the Ethiopian. Did was, you know, was his... Um, was the state he was in with regards to being a eunuch and working for the royal family? Uh, did that improve or something like that? We don't we don't know if his status improved at all. Um, you know, Philemon with Onesimus, um, the treatment of Onesimus was supposed to be better because he was supposed to treat Onesimus now as a brother and not a slave. But was he still a, not a slave? Did they seek to dismantle the... Um, uh, you know, the system, uh, systemic oppression of slavery within the Roman Empire. Um, these things are not discussed as being part of the gospel. Now, it doesn't mean, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says things like, if you can get free, get free, and things like that. And all of the things that he discusses are things that are helpful to people. They're not not helpful, but they're not part of the gospel. And we have to be specific about what our message is, because when we say the gospel... It's not just a, a generic term for the good news. You know, maybe in another, in another age it may have been, but it isn't now. Since, since Jesus Christ came, the gospel means something specific. And when we preach the gospel, um, we can't add on to it or take away from it. So he gives these four, um, these four pillars about community restoration. And uh, again, I don't, I don't disagree with these things. But I don't agree that they're part of the gospel. It says historically, the spiritual pillar is the first one. Historically, the spiritual pillar is where the church spends the majority of its focus. Too often, churches have shifted the jobs of community restoration to only nonprofits, ignoring the fact that God has uniquely positioned churches to serve and restore systemic community and brokenness. Now, here um, again, this deals with this has to do with the nation you're in, though. Um, God did not necessarily um, position churches in the first century Roman Empire to restore systemic and community brokenness. Um, in fact, the church itself kind of divided up um, communities and caused maybe even more brokenness from an economic standpoint. We've, you know, the um, the the idol makers, uh, or was that in Ephesus? They couldn't make money anymore, right? So they were they were messed up because people were getting saved. So they stopped buying idols because they stopped worshiping idols. Um, so it says, while our pillars address more than spiritual needs, we want to ensure we don't we don't lose focus on the spiritual needs of the heart. Many evangelicals carry a fear that if we engage in social issues, we will end up losing the essence and core of the gospel. But our plan is to double down by partnering with local seminaries to help undergird what local churches are doing to spiritually equip their members. And I would say that the spiritual pillar should be the most important thing. Uh, I know there's other things that people uh, need in life, 
uh, but not every church in the world has the ability to provide, and not every church even in America has the ability to provide uh, an answer or, or solve uh, the problems within every community. Um, I don't think anybody would disagree. In the United States, we're, the last you know, 20, 25 years has been a, a real sort of descent, and we are not in a good place. But I, the church itself does not necessarily have the ability to fund and help out every community. Now, we could start with, say, organizations like NAM or the SBC, the executive committees, and to start discussing the exorbitant amount of, of salaries they have and the exorbitant amount of money that they have in their budget. Maybe we could start using that for better purposes, but that's, that's another um, issue. But the second pillar is emotional which is we're working to establish a counseling network to allow small churches and church plants to offer accessible counseling for their communities. I'm a firm believer that our emotions are gifts from God to help us live fully in a tragic world, but the brokenness of our world can leave us with festering, unattended wounds. We want to equip and empower local churches to play a role in walking their members, neighbors, and community members toward emotional health and healing. Again, I don't disagree with this. My mother is actually a Christian counselor and works at a church. Um, so these are not bad things, uh, but they're not, and, and she has an opportunity to tell people about the gospel, but they are not the gospel in and of themselves. Um, we, we, of course, we want people to be um, healed emotionally, and there's all sorts of problems going on with you know drug addiction. You have um, soldiers coming back from, from war who have, who have problems, so there's all sorts of issues that are causing a lot of emotional stress. But the third pillar is uh, economic. As we address systemic issues in our community, one of the major factors to consider is economic stability. Communities thrive when individuals are given opportunities to learn, grow, and succeed. Job readiness training is a great way for local churches to partner with the community to create enriching opportunities. Sustainable, restorative efforts are a tangible way for the community to see how God can take brokenness and radically transform lives. This means helping find jobs, keep jobs, and advance in the workplace. Again, a noble cause, a noble um, thing to strive for. But it's particularly, if we're going to, you know, maybe we'll talk in the sort of parlance of today, it's very Western-centered. The idea that the church, is, the church itself possesses the amount of resources that it takes and are allowed by the government that they live in to give economic aid and help. Uh, with regards to job resources and so on to the community at large is something that really only exists in places like America. So this is not a global thing that could work all over the world or anything like that. Um, but they're noble things, but again, not necessarily part of the of the gospel. You know, I mean, Peter didn't do job training with people on, on how to fish, Um that's just not something that occurred. The fourth pillar is the social pillar, um, and it's where we begin to partner with local nonprofits and parachurch ministries to address social needs in our communities. The needs of each communities are unique, so the social pillar may look a little different depending on the community. This pillar will address issues ranging from educational disparities to, recon- to racial reconciliation and political issues. And as we partner with local nonprofits and parachurch ministries, we hope to maximize the impact of local churches. The gospel calls us to take action and lead the way in reconciling broken aspects of our community. We need to stand in the gap and engage when we see disparity. I think this is probably one of the more, um, not controversial, but ones you, you would have a lot of questions about 
um, does the gospel call us to reconcile communities or does the gospel call us to reconcile man to God? Um, it's the latter. In, uh, that's clear in um, 2 Corinthians 5. That is something that we are given a ministry of reconciliation, therefore be reconciled to God. If we read 2 Corinthians 5, um, you know, 17 through 21. So, and then there's also the question of why there's disparity and how disparity comes about. Is disparity solely due to racial discrimination, or are there other reasons why there could be disparity? So there'd be a lot of questions in this. And then, of course, there's always a problem when churches try to um, join together with non nonprofits or parachurch ministries with regards to what their actual doctrines are. There, we need to make sure that we, as a church, remain separate from people who don't preach and teach the gospel because light has nothing to do with darkness. So that's um, and that's something that um, whatever side of the aisle you are, are on politically, we need to be careful of that. The church should never be an arm of a political party or join political parties because there are things added to political parties that are always going to be something that is against Christ. And uh, we have to be careful when we join up with other people. But all of these four pillars, the social... Uh, the emotional, economic, and uh, spiritual are all things that the church, uh, to some degree, should be involved in. And obviously, there there are different types of uh, definitions of what systemic problems are, or what racial reconciliation means. What you know, does it mean equity and things like that? But these are not necessarily bad. But they're not the gospel. The gospel is something that is quite specific, and I think it has to do with the issue of. The gospel is something that God has done for us. The Christian life is something that God uh, requires of us as a reasonable service. We are supposed to give ourselves as a living sacrifice, and that is a reasonable service that we are to give to God uh, in Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2. So those two things are different, though, right? The reasonable service that requ- that God requires are, is required of people who already have faith in him and who are saved. So the gospel is about what God has done for us, and us um, uh, receiving that by faith, whereas this is sort of work that the church can be involved in, trying to reconcile, um, you know, racial issues or trying to help with political issues and things like that. The church can get involved in that uh, to be a witness for Christ, but that is not the gospel. And so, when people are questioning about these things, I think we should, you know, listen to each other a bit more. Um, I'm going to put this link in the description below. You can read the whole thing for yourself over if you want and read up on it. But I think these are major questions um, that the Southern Baptist Convention should ask itself. Is this really the gospel that they're using when they're planning churches? Um, because if it is, uh, you know, people I think who give money may not want to give the, the money and um, that they're currently giving if this is the gospel that's being preached, uh, because this ultimately can't be sustained. Because there's no way that every church that you try and plant will be able to perform all of these of these community restoration projects, and therefore, if that's part of the gospel, then people will assume that you're failing. Um, you know, they might not think that uh, maybe Christ is working in you because um, you're not restoring the community in the appropriate way. So we have to make sure that we understand. You know, I guess. Other theologians would talk about, say, uh, uh, the difference between law and gospel, for instance. 
We have to make sure that we're specific about what the gospel is. So that's what this episode is about. If you liked it, um, uh, you know, hit the like button, hit subscribe, support if you want. Support's down in the uh, bottom. And um, if you disagreed, let me know. Put in the comments. If you did agree, you can let me know that too. And we can talk about it. But thank you, and I will talk to you next time.